Originally from Austin, Texas, Kendall attended university at the Savannah College of Art and Design in the US state of Georgia, where she studied fashion design with a minor in fashion marketing and merchandising. Kendall moved to London in June 2022 to further her fashion design experience. She currently works as an atelier design assistant for Adnavik. Kendall, welcome to the What Your Friends Know podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So you're originally from Austin, Texas. Yes. And I want you to explain to me the concept of Southern hospitality. <laughs> oh, God. Where do I start? Oh, my mom has like a really thick, like a Southern accent. Mm. And um, so, I mean, I grew up in Texas from when I was like born <laughs> to 10. So I think everyone's just really friendly. Like it's not, it's not strange for someone to come up to you and just start like having a conversation with you, mm. which it definitely can be a little bit startling if you're not used to it. But I mean- Like Europeans aren't used to it, would not be used to it. No, like interesting. I was like, oh, they were not going to receive it that well over here, but they mm. do. I think it's just not what, you know, you're used to over here. I think mm. everyone kind of- keeps themselves for the most part but they I will say London like everyone is very friendly I was expecting people to be I don't know like a little bit more like standoffish or mm. I, I know like in France like they hate Americans yeah <laughs> so I was like Understandably. I've literally avoided France for that reason because I'm like I'm gonna get my feelings hurt <laughs> but <laughs> but so I mean I was really shocked like everyone is very very nice here very mm. fr- friendly I would say so then in September 2015 you moved to Georgia yeah what was that change like um, well, I was the only one <laughs> really out of any of my friends, like any of the people I knew in my high school that, um, like decided to do something different like that. Like everyone mm-hmm. kind of, they all went to like our state schools, which are like these huge, you know, kind of like the stereotypical American college life, like mm-hmm. sororities, fraternity, that kind of situation. I was the only one that was like, I'm going to go to art school. And it was really a completely random decision. <laughs> like, I kind of applied just for fun. And oh, then, really? Yes. Like, I, I had never taken an art class. <gasps> I didn't know anything about fashion. I just knew I, like, always kind of, like, I get kind of made fun of, like, dressing a little bit out there and, like, mm. whatever. I wasn't even out there now looking back on it. But, I mean, I guess for my town it was. But, and so, like, I was just, like, kind of applied for fun. And then, like, I had brought it up to my friends, like, kind of, like, I kind of want to go to school for fashion. But it was never something I was, like, planning on. Like, it was kind of just, like... I don't know. And then my mom kind of encouraged me to tour the school. And then we got there and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I need to go here. I was like, really? I just, yeah, like it was like something was telling me, I was like, this is like what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like I could just do what everyone else is doing and it's comfortable and like I know everyone and it's kind of like the same structure. Or I could go off my own, not know anyone and just kind of like, I don't know, like do something different. And I've always kind of, I feel like gone against the grain in some senses. So, I mean, it was really cool. And I I just just went. It was so it was wow. so spontaneous. Like, I, and I'm a planner. Like, I'm kind of a control freak in that sense. So it was very like unlike me to do that. But like, I met people through just like the dorms and stuff, mm. and 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 working out. So what were you going to do if you went to like a, a local university in Austin, Texas? So but I didn't know. I, I really had no idea. So I it ended up really working out because I was never good at school. Like I since I am so ADD and I was undiagnosed ADD like I just thought I was stupid and then I got to like well everyone was like also was very competitive at my high school like everyone like if you had like a 4.0 like and so I and then I just realized oh I just don't care about this Mm -hmm. I just don't like this and then when it was like I got to school and like I scad and I like started thriving and I loved school like I had to like I didn't even want to go out and do stuff because I like loved doing work and so I kind of was like oh 
just it's something I like. Like I will put in the energy, but like mm. I just I yeah I probably wouldn't have even graduated if I went to like a traditional school and done. Well, that's quite common, isn't it? That people with ADD and ADHD, when they find a hobby or passion that they're really interested in, then they like super focus on that and they're right. Really and I think that you know like. I also have, like, uh, anxiety with tests. So, like, I would just, like, study for weeks, and then I'd get to the test, and I'd just blink out, and I wouldn't remember any of it. And so, and everything was based on, like, a test. Like, how smart you were, like, how Mm -hmm. hard you worked was based on, like, a A, B, C, D. And so I think that, like, going to a school where, like, you have a project, and, like, they can see how much work you put into it, rather than, like, if you could just wing a test. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that was, like, I love that structure a whole lot more than, you know, because people could study night before and just cram and then, like, do great, and then I'd be studying for weeks and I'd get, like, a a C. So I think that it was that, too. Like, I just, I, I didn't fit in the structure of school that... You know, especially in America, like I feel like mm. you know, in, like in Europe. I mean, SATs. It's it's not even like long word answers. It's like fill the fill in the bubble. You know, like there's no leeway right. room in that. But but it's so funny that you sort of stumbled into going to this college because and we'll refer to it as SCAD, although that's such a that's such a poor acronym I for hate it. it. I I hate it. <laughs> that's what was we're meaning when I say Savannah College of Art and Design. It's called SCAD, but it's one of the best art schools in the country right yeah and I think you know there's obviously Parsons FIT in New York but I think this one is like what stands out is that it's very like close-knit like I I looked at Parsons and FIT and they're very like competitive with each other I don't want to speak for all students there but like from what I got it's kind of like you're on your own and like everyone else is like you know kind of competition isn't and I feel like with our school it was like everyone like you're going through it together and mm. like you like everyone's trying to help you and like and I liked that I would say a whole lot better just because like I kind of thrive in like a community structure like that I think. What was your first year at fashion college like? Like what types of papers do you take when you first get to fashion school? So they actually I liked the setup it, so we have our foundations classes so it's like drawing one, drawing two, design one, design two and it's just like the basics. Right. So like because like, I had never taken an art class, so, like, mm-hmm. I needed those, like, to, in order to, like, grow. And then, like, your second year, you go into, like, your intro to, like, fashion design, um, intro to fashion sketching, all of that. And so, I mean, I think I like the way it was structured because if you didn't know anything, it kind of gave you the chance to, like, right. start from the beginning, um, which I would have definitely needed because I, like, needed, like, even just, like, perspective classes, like, how to draw, like, with perspective and color theory and all of that. So, um, so I mean, at the time, I was like, I just want to get into my major. But looking back on it, I'm really glad that they did it that way because I, like, needed those, you know, foundations. Yeah. To, you know. How do people who've done that all through high school manage those classes? I mean, do they have to do them or is it? Oh, yeah. It's a requirement. Yeah, wow. it's a requirement. So if you've done art your whole school and then you're sitting next to Kendall in your first year and you're just like, go. And they're like literally like doing it all in like 30 minutes and I'm sitting there like after class for three hours. I, I honestly at one point I was like, I, I should just leave. Like, I can't do this. Like, it's too hard. And then, you know, I, I was I, I pushed through it. And yeah. Wow. No, I can imagine that would have been quite tough. Yeah. What do you think was the most challenging paper that you took? I think it was more like the professors. Like there, mm-hmm. there were certain professors that, like that were so harsh. Like my, one of my um, intro to textiles, he would make us have like a entire like five hundred page sketch sketchbook done in a week, and it was our intro classes. So, like oh I didn't God. know what I was doing, and if it was like if, if you didn't have it that day, it was just an automatic F. 
So he was crazy and he like didn't really like me because I was like complete shit show. And then it was funny because it came like full circle. Like my actual my last class that I took, um, I had to stay in the summer because I minored in marketing, but um, was business of fashion. And he was my professor again. So it was like my first fashion class and my last fashion class I had. And I got like like a 96 in the class, which is like crazy. Like he doesn't give out A's. Like he literally told us on the first day, he's like, I don't give out A's. It's incredible. So it was like kind of like a fun full circle moment, like from me like struggling and like like hoping to get a C in the class. Do you know, like getting an A at the end of all of it. So kind of like for me, that was like my, to show like my growth. I was like, oh, like really have grown. Yeah. (laughs) So if you didn't do any art through school, how did you, did you sort of just intuitively know that you would love a career in fashion or? Yeah, I mean, when I tell you, I don't know how, it, like, it doesn't make sense looking back on it. Like, Because my sister was the one that was like in art classes every single day after mm-hmm. school. And then she went to psychology, so like flip Wow. Yeah, but, um, and I was just, I, I mean, I liked it, but I just didn't, I guess I just didn't really think I was that good at it, especially because my older sister was so good at it that mm-hmm. I was kind of like, why try? Like, I feel like we always kind of compete against each other because we're so close. Yeah. We're like Irish twins. So it's like funny that, you know, I learned and like I improved. But at the time, I really didn't know what I was getting into at all. Wow. Well, it sounds like you got really involved in like on campus activities. So you were involved with Bumble. Yeah. And they're managing their social media. And what was that like? It was fun. I think, oh, well, I had applied just for like the ambassador position because I was, I, because I had my own, I have my own jewelry company, so I was doing that in the summers, and I, so I didn't have time to really do an internship like everyone else because I was like running a business, and so I it was during the semester, it was something I could do, you know, part time. So I was like, okay, great, and then I ended up being like the full leader of, wow. the, of the ambassadors um, for SCAD. So I mean, it was really fun. I think it it pushed me because it was my last year, so it pushed me to get out because I really had a hard time like balancing that social in school because I just was like all in school like mm-hmm. and I just I was like I know I have so much to do like I, I I couldn't enjoy going out with my friends because I'd just be thinking about how much work I had to do so it was nice because I was like oh I have to do this like this is a like like I signed up for this this is a responsibility so it kind of like allowed me to like get out there be social and I gotta like do a little bit of event planning and mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff and interact with you know, other students that I might not because, you know, towards the end of your, like, um, degree, you're really just in your department, so in your major. Mm. Well, you guys don't call it a major. No, we do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Because everyone's always like, what's a major? Yeah, major department, yeah. Yeah, so it was it, it was really cool. It was it was an interesting, I don't know, it was, it was something different, I would say, and it kind of, like, I got to be, I, I'm good at managing people. Yeah, what did the role in, involve? Because I know Bumble is a dating platform, but it's also like a friends platform. Yeah, so it was, but it was more of like the marketing advertisement campaign. So we would, you know, do like guerrilla marketing techniques, like just handing out flyers or like creating events. And so I, we had like a small team of a few younger um, ambassadors. And so like I kind of got to take them under my wing, and some of them were in fashion. So um yeah and we just would like set up events and whatever each week so yeah it was definitely out of my comfort zone I would say in the terms of like dating apps scare me and so it's funny that like I was gonna be like the head like for SCAD for dating apps I think that it was definitely not in my like usual realm but it was cool because I could kind of use like my minor in marketing Mm. to kind of like do things firsthand and kind of just see and it was an easy it was like a good entryway yeah kind of 
position because you could it, you had time to still do all your other work. So and so in May 2017, you launched your jewelry brand, Rock Candy Jewelry. Um, was that intended to be a side hustle of some sorts, or was that a way to put into practice like the skills you'd learnt through your degree and through marketing and everything? It was honest. I feel like this whole podcast is just like my life is an accident, but it was a total accident. I had all this old jewelry. I was with my friend and we were like, let's just like try to make this into other stuff. So we like took all of our like charms and chain stuff and then we like made all this new jewelry out of it. And it was just like just something to do in like in the summer for fun. And then we like posted on Instagram and everyone was like, Can I buy that? Can I buy this one? Like and, and they were all messaging us like I I want to buy that please. And so we were like, oh my gosh, like cool. Like yeah. we could actually do something with this. So it was kind of that one was a complete we, we started on Instagram like just selling through like DMs on Instagram and it was fun like making content for that. Um and then when we made the website, it kinda was like, oh, this is not just a little summertime hobby. Um, and so it was really, it definitely was hard to juggle it, I would say, with my schoolwork just because, you know, you're having orders, like people are waiting on this and you have to get it in. So I think that that really helped me kind of balance things out because I it was all school. Like school was like 100% of my thoughts, everything. So to it showed that I can multitask, which is something I'm not always great at because I'm so scatterbrained. Um, but and, and then it grew from there. And then eventually, you know, we started doing pop-up shops um, like at our house and stuff like that. And our oh. first pop-up shop, we had like people lined all the way like around my no house. Way. Yeah. And we, we were like trying to check everyone out. Like it was it was crazy. And and it was so cool to like see that because we were expecting like oh no it's probably gonna show up this is gonna be so embarrassing and then we're like sitting there sweating like we had like family friends trying to help us like check people out and stuff and so that was so fun and then I started selling to boutiques like in the states and it was really fun like in Georgia and you know in Seattle and just like, like all across like the country in terms of the United States and so it was really cool that it, w- it went from just you know my hometown mm-hmm. to like you know, people wanted it in different, like, states. And so it w- that was really cool to kind of see that grow. And, like, I'm still doing it. I think that, it, again, I gained a lot of, like, business understanding and marketing understanding in terms of – and that's actually what inspired me to go into marketing as a minor because I was like, oh, I'm doing this. You're good like, at it. Yeah, you're yeah, really good at it. Uh, thank you. And I was like, I'm, I'm already doing this anyway. Like, why not – you know, it's only a few extra classes. Like, why not just take that and kind of – you know, learn more about it. And then I also, like, I have this understanding of it just from doing it firsthand. So, um, so yeah, so it, that worked out well because I'm glad I minored in um, marketing because I think that it's really important, especially in design, mm-hmm. because, like, you need to know the customer you're designing for. So I think that kind of gave me, I would say, an upper hand in, like, a more commercialized design but it definitely I had no idea I even wanted to go to an accessory I mean like the jewelry major at SCAD is like hardcore like they're making like wearable art in a Mm. sense and so people are like I wonder like why didn't you major in jewelry I'm like because it's not it's not what like what I'm doing like mine's amateur compared to what they do in their degrees but um and you know I have that like I think 
I have that confidence now that I probably wouldn't have had before because I'd be like, oh, well, who cares? No one's going to buy mm-hmm. this. But then now that, like, I've had rock candy jewelry, I think that it's like, oh, okay, like, you can do this. And, like, you did that by accident. Like, think of what you could do, you know, on purpose. So I think that, you know, I think a lot of it, like, life experiences has built my confidence over time because, like, I really, I was not a confident person at all. And now I'm like... Well, I mean, there's something to be said about... Um, you could probably sit in a classroom and you could learn about marketing and learn about jewelry production and um, everything like that. But then it's not even comparable to actually doing it in the real world and cre- creating these, like learning these lessons, making mistakes, and right. building a you know a brand of your own. And I think and that's important. I think like I honestly learned way more from experience than I did from my like classes. You know, because they can only teach you so much. Like they can only give you you know the fundamental blocks of how it is but like you're really not gonna fully understand until you're like in the middle of it you know Mm. what I mean and like faced with those issues like I'm sure when you're balancing having this like full-on university workload and then this company at the same time like you learn skills that are just going to be so transferable into an actual especially in fashion So when you're at university, you put together a senior collection, which was shown at your at the SCAD fashion exhibits, fashion shows, design exhibitions, um, and it was also included in, in a film at the SCAD Film Festival. What was it like to be able to design and put together pieces for that? Well, I think, I mean, my, my strong suit has always been, like, concept. So, you know, taking a concept and growing that, and I think it's possibly because I'm so ADD that, like, I can branch off in so many different aspects of, like, one idea because, like, how my mind works. So, I mean, I went into it knowing that, like, okay, I can't – I'm not the best seamstress. Like, I've never been a great sewer. Like, I just – that's not my strong suit. So I was like, okay, well, but I can upcycle, so I can, you know, take vintage things and, and, and turn them into something else. So I kind of did a deep dive into my, like, family history and all of that as I was um, doing another project and my amazing concept professor was like, you should, you know, you should go into this more. I think this is a good idea for your senior collection. So I ended up kind of, my whole concept was based around kind of these like memorabilias that show your identity. So, you know, like a uniform, like a work uniform, it, it's, it, it shows other people who you are, you know, you work at this place. Or if it's like military medals, like that shows like the achievements you've made or whatever it may be, like a varsity letterman jacket, whatever it is. And so I kind of loved playing with that concept. And like my overall concept was if you had a garment that showed all the achievements, all the things that you've done in your life, is it something that you'd be proud of, that you'd want to wear? And so uh, it was really fun to get to play around with, you know, different embellishments and kind of having that, like, vintage varsity feel to it, but then also adding this kind of, you know, like, um, utility jumpsuits and all of that. And so it ended up working out really well that I could use vintage stuff because it's, it's this idea of, you know, something that has character and has history and you know turning into something new it is a little bit intimidating because you can't plan very well because it's like whatever you find Mm -hmm. is like what 
your collection is going to be versus like most people had like their exact looks and then they like worked on those looks for, you know, that year. But I was kind of just going to like, you know, charity shops and and just wow. finding stuff and just I, I went through so many clothes, just ripping stuff apart, cutting stuff into pieces and just seeing what worked. Um, that kind of launched me into more creative space because logistically I'm not I can't sew this and so I think it was kind of cool to like when you see it all like out like we had our jury show it's so it's with all the panels of like the fashion department board and like to see all the models like lined up wearing your clothes it's like such a surreal experience because you always see you know in a portfolio like on paper but to like actually see it in real life was so so cool um and then one of my looks it's funny because it was actually like the easiest look to make like it took me like 30 minutes which makes me so mad because some of the other ones I spent like weeks months on but this one particular dress was um the one that I had I technically graduated I went to my graduation but I still had one extra class or two extra classes because of my minor so um, I was in the summer and then in, uh, like the like SCAD reached out to me and they're like, hey, so can we borrow this dress from your senior collection? We're um, shooting a film for it, like a, a student film. Um, or I don't even know if it's a student film, but anyway. And so I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And then it ended up being in the, um, the SCAD uh, film festival, which is like the it's the biggest student run like film festival like in the country. It's incredible. Yeah. In France as well, right? Yes. And then they, they debuted it at our um Lacoste France campus. Um and it was so cool because I, I I just like, okay, yeah, sure, take the dress. <laughs> what was the dress like? What did it look like? Um it was like it was all sequined and it was like um orange, like kind of just it was a basic silhouette, just a shift maxi dress in a sense. But then like it had this um like applique like patch that said like oh yeah on it and it was a very um kind of varsity esque and it was just so funny because I just didn't expect that one to be the the one that everyone loved. And especially like coming to life. Like I mean even it elevating from the page to the actual model and then from the model to the screen, it's like a full circle. Right. And just to see it like all together, mm. like it was just such a cool experience. Do you feel like, because in the fashion industry, it's super time pressured. Did you think that they sort of mimicked that while you're at university? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> For sure. Like it, I, I, this is not healthy, but I slept probably five nights out of the week wow. for like a year not but <laughs> so it's funny but I so yeah definitely it did prepare me and I think it depends on you know the brand and you know the, the area of fashion you're in because you know if you're working for like a more like a retail brand like I have really wanted to work for like free people or like urban URBN so like they own anthropology um a wedding dress company and urban outfitters and all that anyway um and so th- I think that is probably a lot more slow paced and there's probably more of a work personal balance than I would say if you're working for like Gucci you know that then you're not gonna be sleeping good luck having a family like you're gonna be go 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 going so I think it depends um I mean I think it was cool working for Adnavik because you know it was like there's times it wasn't very fast paced but then like fashion week it was crazy like we were just like so exhausted like just sewing flowers one after the other videos of you sewing like into the late night is incredible and what about like because I can imagine you're in competition or even just in your own head you're in competition with your other peers with other students yeah see I've just 
and this is probably really bad because I think you're supposed to be competitive in this field, but I'm just so not like I'm so like I'm just always rude and ever, like even at work they're like you you should be a motivational coach really because I'm like you got this is you're, that your southern your southern hospitality I guess, breaking maybe and I just I don't know I've just never been a competitive person at all because like, I'm just always like rooting for other people and so I I'm also an extrovert and I just I think it's because I you know started out not knowing really anything that like nothing to lose almost right and it's like I I don't know I just I'm so fascinated by what people can do and I just I still am so I think that I'm just like why would I want to like I don't know not tear someone down but just like you know be cold to them when like they're they're in the exact same boat I am you know do you sort of think there's enough space for both of you to succeed or for everyone to sort of succeed a hundred percent I don't understand why people think otherwise because it's like everyone they're everyone's gonna go into like even a different like niche like everyone has like a strong suit that's different and I think that for you to you know look away from that and just see them as like oh like they they're better than me and so like I don't want to help them or I don't want to encourage them because like they're gonna get the job I want or they're gonna get the spot I want in the show whatever it is and it's like I I just don't I don't understand that because it's like yeah there's room for everyone it's like everyone and and I feel like I don't know the creative field it's like you have to work together as a team like the the team based aspect is so important mm-hmm. so if you're looking at everyone's competition like good luck because you need that team to like we you need to work together mm. especially know? if there's long hours you know yeah and it's like there's always going to be something you're not good at that someone else is and you need that like that's mm. a good thing because like even at work I'll be like please can you guys do this I'm so bad at this and then I'll do this because I'm good at that so it's like the balance and I think that that's really important so I don't know I just I always am like always rooting for other sticks no I think that's so important because I think um something I've been focusing on recently and something that I've said is going to be my um goal for 2023 is just to get out of my own way like sometimes I'll I'll look at other people who are doing sort of similar things to what I'm doing or who I've been in a similar position to and now we're, you know, both in different places and compare myself to that. And then it just almost stops you dead on your tra- in your tracks. Like you don't, you no longer have this forward momentum because you think like you just start second guessing yourself. And so when you sort of get out of your own way, you're like, it's okay, I'm naturally going to compare myself to others. I'm naturally going to be like, oh, they're really good at that. That doesn't mean that I'm immediately going to turn it on myself and be like, okay, well, I'm never going to be good at that or I'm never going to be right. able to compete with that. I think it's like understanding that, yeah. like you said, and that's so it's amazing, like such a good reminder because I think that it's so easy to think that there's only one spot for everyone to compete for when right. in reality there's millions of spots. And I think that's also natural with social media because, like, I mean, I like, – so when I graduated, it was then the pandemic, which was real fun. So it was fun. Yeah. So, and and so there was a period of time like before this where I was kind of like in this transitional period of my life where, you know, like people were having babies and like getting married, and so and I would I was you know I wasn't really sure what I was doing and. I so it was so easy for me to kind of get in a hole where I was like oh my gosh like all these people are doing things like am I not am on the right pace like am I not where I should be mm. and it's like because you can't compare you have no idea what like everyone has struggles and yes you can see on a picture and you can compare to that but you have no idea what else that person could be like mm. battling and so it's unfair to yourself to just assume that like oh they have this perfect life and I don't and 
like there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough or whatever it is. And so I think that was like I looking back on it, I'm glad I had that time to kind of like take a step back, reflect, because I think I was on this like such fast paced momentum that I was like, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to think about anything. Like I all I care about is work. And I think in some aspects that my relationships, like friendships, they kind of suffered because I, you know, might not have been as empathetic as I usually would because I was just like so focused on one thing and so I think that it ended up being a really great thing that I had that time to kind of sit back and reflect and be like okay I need to prioritize my mental health as Mm. well as work or whatever it is because like it's gonna come up like it's gonna bubble up one way or another so like yeah it's gonna come to a head like it's either gonna come to a head now when I address it and I have control over it or it's gonna come to a head in a couple months time when I just am at the peak of my you know deadlines and everything like that right and it's, it's like really jeopardize or you could have this great career but if you have no one there around you because mm. you push them all away it's like is that what's gonna make you happy like i think that like i just it, like that's the idea of it's lonely at the top like right you, you could see the end goal of someone's years of working um but then you don't actually see all the sacrifices that they've made and like right. when, you, when you understand the gravity of the sacrifices that they've had to make maybe you're like okay I actually don't want that it's not for me no right because I, I think it's just important it's so important to have like people to ground you and to like like to support you I think that I mean, I just, if I could make it to the top and have no one around me, I wouldn't do it because mm. I think that, like, like, my family, like, my friends, like, they, they're all, like, when things aren't going great, or, you know, because it's not always going to be fantastic, like, you need those people to, like, be there for you, you know mm. what I mean? You really think about those things, especially when you're so far from home. Right. I've had those thoughts recently of being, like, the things that I want to achieve when I'm here in London, like, are they worth being this far away from my family? And, like, ultimately the answer is yes because I'm yeah. still here. <laughs> um, but I think that's something that you really get faced with when you move so far away from home, which I do want to talk about because um, obviously you're from – your family live in Florida mm-hmm. and you're in London right now. Yes. How was that move for you? How was that – how was the reaction to the news that you were moving? Like, was it quite a shock or were you kind of waiting for it for a while? <laughs> it was – such a shit show <laughs> because I I had the interview and I messed up the time change because I didn't count in British summertime and so I answered the phone half asleep it was the worst interview and then the next day I get a voicemail and they're like okay so you have the job um but like we need you here in two weeks so I went straight into like plane tickets like do I need a visa do I need this do I need this and so I I almost didn't really have time to, like, anticipate it, which Mm -hmm. I think ended up being great because I think I can really, like, easily get in my own head and I can be like, oh, like, I'm going to miss my family. Like, this is scary. Like, whatever it is. But because I was was packing up my life, I was getting everything prepared, it was like I didn't really have time to think about it. And I think it worked out well for me because, you know, I got here and it was kind of like then you're just in survival mode. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, okay, I'm here. Like, this is what's going to be the next six months. So, like, how can I make this work? And I, I will, I hate change, but I'm very, like, when I set my mind to something, I'm like, it's going to happen. I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to whatever. Like, I'm going to make the most of it. And so, you know, it ended up being, it ended up being great. If I had like four months to anticipate it, I probably, my anxiety would have got the best of me and mm. I would have, you know, second guessed it. So I think that that definitely helped. I know that um, one of the pieces of advice that I, would have for anyone who wants to leave their home country and move away is like if you can figure out what the worst outcome is going to be like what is the worst case scenario 
and get comfortable with that and be like, okay, if that happens, it's fine. I'll do this. This is my plan. And then, and then you're safe. Like you have the safety net of like, if literally if the worst case scenario happens, like for me, it was if I get to London and I hate it and I hate, you know, doing what I'm doing, I hate it here. I don't find any friends. Um, then I'm just going to have to like put my ego to the side and just go back home. Like, I'm just going to go back home and apply for a job and just stay in New Zealand. You know, like that was, I mean, that was, that would have been such an ego crush because, you know, you build it up to this whole thing of like moving away and say goodbye to everyone. But like, I was comfortable with that at that point. It was a no brainer. And I, I use so many, you said that because I use that with like my anxiety all the time. I literally used it this morning. Like once you can come to terms with it. And even if it is like, oh, like I don't want that. Mm. It's like, okay, but like, Can you be okay with it? Will you live? Yes. I can handle my ego being bruised. You you grow out of relationships and you grow out of places. And I think that, you know, when you're trying to grow out of that and you're stuck in it, like, you're going to, it's going to drive you insane. Also, like, it's always a reminder of, like, an old version of me that I'm no longer. That's the thing. That's the absolute thing. I don't have an issue with seeing people. I don't have an issue with speaking about people. But it's just I don't like seeing people or places that remind me of when the way I used to allow myself to be treated by people or the way I used to do things without actually caring about the outcome right. for myself. Like that's the one thing that like it's not a personal thing to anyone or the place. No. It's just the reminder of myself. Yeah, exactly. I think that it's because I had these past few years of so much personal growth. It's like it almost throws me right back into that. Well, you did or whatever. It's just Mm. constant reminders of stuff. I want to grow and move past that. And so I think Mm. so I think that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably not going to be going back. You know, there's no fashion industry in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's like that, would, that. that's almost my worst fear is like, oh, I just give up. Yeah. And then I just like, you know, do something that like I don't love to do just because I'm too scared or like I feel like I failed. At like 25, 26, it's like this age of like you feel like you have so much to prove. Mm. And you see other people and you're like, oh, my gosh, like do I need to be married? Do I need to have kids do I need to have like a full-blown career and like and so I think that like everyone feels this pressure but no one talks about it like because everyone's like I'm just too scared to there's two parties in that there's the people who have followed the traditional path you know by 25 they're like five years into their their career and they're really Mm -hmm. established and they're probably earning a good salary and they're very comfortable and very uh, secure secure and then there's the people who have sort of followed a path that probably isn't as linear and they're failing and they're reaching roadblocks and they're probably not in this long-term relationship and whatever and still figuring that out and that person is nervous of how the person who's taken the traditional path is going to judge them for that and then the people who have taken the traditional path are like oh but what if I regret this what if I want to explore options you know and so it's just like there are two paths. I mean, there's many, but there's two ones that you can go down. And I think it's just like, like right now, for example, I'm probably going on the path of the not traditional mm-hmm. and just following my nose a bit. That doesn't mean that in, when I reach 26, I can't just go back to square one and start a right. traditional office job and follow that path. I mean, we're still going to get to like 32 and be fine. Like, right. I'm not planning on having kids anytime soon. So like, that's fine if I'm, you know, still <laughs> yeah. bopping around when I'm 30. But you know, like there's enough time for that. You can explore any option. Right. I think both parties can be so um, freaked out that they're not doing it right, but there's actually no right way. Like as long as you're moving forward or progressing, making mistakes is the, one of the best ways right. to move forward and learn, you know? No, and I think that I, I've just learned it's really important to like 
be real. Like, because, like, for instance, like, if I bump into people, like, at my hometown, I could easily be like, oh, things are going, like, great. Fully. Like, and, you know, sugarcoat a bunch of shit. But I literally go, so what are you doing now? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> and the amount of times the response is, oh, my gosh, like, I get that. Yeah. Like, I get it. And I'm like, yeah, like, and I, I just don't know. And that's okay. You know, it's easy to to be like, oh, like, I'm doing great, blah, blah, blah. But, and then yeah. to have one person be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's mm. like, oh, it's, I it's like a breath of fresh air, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't fucking know what I'm doing yeah. either. Like, the amount of times where people are like, I don't know either, honestly. Yeah. Like, Literally, well, that's the thing. You could speak to someone who's like 50 and you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. They're like, none of us do. And then it's so like, and out. then it just like ends that conversation or it starts a different one of like, where you feel like there's a space where you can, you know, get advice from others mm. or, you know, see people that feel are in the same boat as you. And so I think, I don't know, I think it's important to open that conversation because I feel like it's so weirdly still taboo. Like, people are better about it, but it, I think, like, I really didn't know, like, what post-grad life was, quotations, no. yeah. until I got there. Like, no one ever really, t- like, talks about it. Like, mm. that it's hard and it's scary and, you know, you will, it's not always going to be, like, t- or college, straight into a job as soon as you graduate and then... Have get engaged, get married, have kids. But I love what you said about how um, you just sort of you feel this pressure to to have everything sorted. And like when you go back and you see people in your hometown, and you're just like, oh, I feel like I have to have something that I've achieved or whatever. Right. Um, it's funny because I wanted to talk about. I know when I first came to London, I felt a lot of pressure to be having the be- absolute best time of my entire life, and literally not a thing going wrong. You know because. Right. People are like, oh, how are you? People are constantly like, how is it? Oh my God, it looks amazing. You must be having the best time. Like, mm-hmm. that, I got that message like a billion oh, times, you know? And from do. my parents as well, especially, you know, you're so far away for the, at least the first couple months. I did not s- mention a single negative thing at all. Like, yeah. I just f- felt like I couldn't. Right, right, right. Um, and not that I'm going to pick up the phone to my friends and family and be like, oh, my God, this place sucks or whatever, because it didn't. Yeah. But it still was just like every time I had this, like, negative thought of, like, oh, I kind of miss my friends or, like, it'd be nice to be back home right now or um, am I actually going to really enjoy this? Is this going to be good? Is this going to work out? Am I going to feel comfortable? Right. Um, you kind of just only talk about the good parts of it. How did you find that in the first couple months of moving away? See, I feel like I'm a little too honest, I think, like, because I need to vent. So, Mm. like, I, yes, with, like, social media, I 100% get what you, like, I don't know, like, I don't want to sit here and be like, just be transparent, because it's Mm. not that freaking hard. It's Mm. easy. It's not that hard. God. It's not that easy because, like, you feel like you need to prove something at the end of the day. Like, you you think people have these expectations of you and you have to meet up to them. And so, like, and I think that I'm, in a sense, more concerned about, like, when I go back. Because people are going to be like, oh, like, so, like, you're not staying there. Like, so what are you doing now? Mm -hmm. And and I feel like I think it was definitely really scary coming here because, like, I, I didn't know anyone. Like, I... And I've, I've gotten okay being by myself, but I think that, like, in a different country, like, everything's different here. Like, you feel like you just feel really isolated and you feel really alone. And if, like, you don't find, you know, people through whatever it may be, then you kind of, like, you're doing stuff on your own and, like, that's fine. But it gets kind of old and it gets kind of sad and it gets mm-hmm. kind of lonely. And so I think that towards the beginning, 
it definitely was like that. But, like, I kind of went into the mindset of, like, you're probably going to be alone. Yeah. So, like, it, it ended up working out well when I actually met people like you. Mm. But, um. So you've lived, you've worked, you've lived in London for six months, worked at Adnavik for six months. Run us through what a day in the life is like for you as a fashion intern. A day in the life. I wake up at seven and then I walk I walk to work and then we come in the studio and we usually are preparing um for clients so like we cut the leather and that is hard that was something that like I had no I, I did not know what I was getting into like I knew nothing about leather and so I had to like learn from the beginning still not great at it I would say but um not my strong suit but I will say that like it, it was really cool because all their dresses like their like signature is that everything has like leather straps leather detailing because like her dad like owned a tannery the the owner's wow. father and so she grew up like in tanneries and um kind of getting to see all like leather goods being made and then christian um was, was like studied women's wear so they kind of combined the two which is really cool and so um they so we usually like repair the leather for clients we have client fittings usually or um people are trying on dresses and that's really cool to see, like, see them trying on all the different dresses or, um, like, seeing them prepared. The seamstresses are sewing everything. They don't trust us to sew because it really, it's all corsetry. It's all mm. really intense, you know, construction. So they are, they're doing that. So we're mostly, like, you know, doing the little bits that, like, we give to the seamstresses. But we also, like, we will do, like, flowers or, like, whatever embellishments it may be, um, like, feathers, feather trim and stuff like that. So it's, it's really different each day. It depends on, like, whatever our client orders are but um yeah and in that way it is like I've learned a lot in terms of different you know techniques that I maybe wouldn't have made time for like I would never have made time to like hand sew a full flower or, or like you know whatever it may be and so I think that in a lot of ways like the things that I wouldn't carve out time unless I had to like I got to learn in that sense and Leather was cool. I'll never do leather again. It's too hard. It's really difficult. Like, especially... it has. you braid it, right? You've been braiding it. Yeah. Like, we make all the belts, all the straps, all the, you know, um, trim, whatever it is. And we do braid a lot of it. And so, it's just... And plus, because the dre these dresses are so expensive, you it has to be absolutely perfect, which... I mean, when I started, like, I was, I had so much anxiety. I actually was having, like, chest pains. That's, because I started out as the only intern or assistant. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was all by myself. And then luckily, you know, we have so many interns coming in and out. And so it was nice because, you know, you kind of, it, when you're going through it with someone else, it, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, mm -hmm. I can mess up. I can, you know, get yelled at. Mm. And it's okay because everyone else is messing up or getting yelled at too. So it's fine. But, um, but yeah, I think it definitely helped a lot having, like, other people in the same situation as me because it made me not feel like I was that much of a fuck up or I was, like, alone. You know what I mean? Mm. Do you think that it's is a fashion, being a fashion intern or a design intern, is that sort of step one on a path to being a fashion designer yourself? Oh, 100%. I think that, you know, I've been told at school, like, internships, internships, like, that's what you need. They want to see that you can work in this fast-paced environment, like, with a functioning studio or what, or brand, whatever it is. And so, like, I've, just, I've noticed just, like, my resume has, like, popped out a lot more since this because, like, they're like, okay, she's had this experience. She knows what, you know, mm. the, the environment is like. And so I think that it definitely is really important. I think also it's 
really great in terms of if like you are still a student, if you are doing a collection for your final year. There's so many techniques I wish I would have like known beforehand that like, you know, I learned here. So it's a little bit too late for that. But um, and I think that like just seeing like my friends that are still at uni and, and them like kind of even if it's little things like just gaining that understanding so like they can somehow put fills it. in the gaps yeah and it's like and it gives you more you have more opportunities of what you can do because you know how to do them versus like oh like I don't even know how to begin to do this so like mm-hmm. this isn't even an option you know to design or whatever it is I think also in a business standpoint when you work for other brands, you can see what they're doing right and you can see what they're doing wrong. And you can, if you wanted to have your own brand eventually, I think that it's really great to learn from other people's mistakes and learn from other people's, you know, victories and kind of like take that as you go because most businesses you are going to learn as you go but I think that if there's things you can avoid like Mm. great expensive mistakes you can avoid yes then great try to do it beforehand and so I think that that is really important and I think that also just connections like everyone always says connections and it makes me so mad because I'm like okay but what if you don't have connections Mm. like are you never going to get a job if you don't know a bunch of people in the fashion industry and when people say connections they oftentimes mean what who your parents know exactly and it's and it makes because I'm like it's not for lack of trying, like I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm a very like friendly person. So it, like people are like you be be friendly with people, like mm-hmm. talk to people. And I'm like I do that, but yeah, you're right. It's like who your parents know, who your friends of friends know, whatever it is. And I, and so that always pissed me off because I was like, well, that's not fair. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I think also even the interns, like ever we had, I had a, we had over like twenty interns coming in and out. Like it was so especially during Fashion Week, but like. I, I just, like, got to know each one of them, like, took the time to, like, know them. It's because I'm, like, later, like, who knows? Like, I could work with them, and I would love to work with them. Like, they're all so talented. And so I think it was funny. I thought I was going to be doing, like, quote-unquote networking with, like, you know, the owners. But it ended up being with, like, other students mm. because, like, they're so talented. And I feel like I learned so much from them and, like. The future generation, anyway. Right. And it's, like, they're going to be graduating for years, and they're going to be doing kick-ass shit. So. Mm. Do you think that as your six months in London draws to a close, do you think, what do you think has been your greatest lesson that you've learned? Probably not only in fashion, but also possibly about yourself. I would say that it's okay to take risks and that it might not always turn out, but you're going to learn something no matter what. And then luckily in this case, it did work out. Like I feel like this has been such a great experience and I have learned so much and I've gotten to know people I never would have ever met mm-hmm. regardless and I think that and you know even in you know my career learning stuff through that like pushing myself out of my comfort zone like in every way possible like in you know culture it without people like what and fashion whatever it is like I think that I if, if three years ago if you would have asked me to do this I would have said absolutely not like I oh, you want me to cut leather and pattern make and do all the things I'm horrible at? Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. But I think that I'm so glad that I kind of pushed. And yes, there are times I felt like, oh, I'm not doing what I'm good at. Like, I suck. I'm literally horrible. Like, I'm the worst out of everyone. Like, I I would compare myself to others. But then I was like, no, if this is like the my weaknesses that I'm doing, and I'm not completely horrible at it like I didn't get fired like Mm -hmm. and I you know I I finished successfully then it's like oh like I shouldn't let stuff like that hold me back because at the end of the day it's just me that's Mm -hmm. like saying oh these are my weaknesses I can't do this because I suck at that or whatever it is or like oh this is in a different country like that's scary I don't know anyone I'm not gonna make any friends I'm gonna be alone whatever it is like 
at the end of the day, like, I feel like you hold yourself back. And if I would have let myself, then I wouldn't have had this, like, amazing experience. And I wouldn't have, like, mm-hmm. like learned and, like, met so many people. And it's just been – it's been really great. I'm definitely glad that I didn't, like, let myself – hold me back in this situation as like I usually would I would say mm. that's the whole, it comes back to like getting out of your own way you know right no 100 like your c- capabilities are endless if you just stop being like if you stop just being your worst credit right no honestly and I think it's so easy to and you can say oh like I always say I'm so self-aware like I'm I just know like I, mm. I can just tell when something's not great but it's like but then you're never looking at it in anyone else's lens. It's like, like the dress that you made that turned out to be like the most popular one. It was right. like one that you just did off the cuff and didn't it didn't take you that long and you didn't think it was a special thing and ended up being the most special. Right. And so I think that and don't be scared. Like like you said, if think of the worst case scenario, think of the worst thing that could happen. Like it, it, will you live? Will you survive? Mm, will you, yeah. Like I write that down so often when I'm like journaling and stuff. It's like I will not die. Like, this will not kill me. Like, yeah. I'm. it feels like the world's ending, but it's actually not going to kill me. No, and it's like, and that probably, that's not, it's probably not going to happen. The worst case scenario exactly. probably isn't going to happen. Mm. So then, like, you think of the best case scenario, and you're like, oh, so this is what would be stopping me from the best case scenario? Mm. Like, no, screw that. Yeah, no, 100%. And how do you think you've evolved or grown as a person by spending six months sort of so far removed from what you're familiar with or your upbringing? I would say that it has definitely shown me that, I mean, I can adjust wherever I am. Like, Mm. I can meet people. Like, I can, you know, thrive in something that, like, an area that, like, maybe I didn't think that I would or whatever it is. And so I think that it has helped me to not you know, limit myself. Because I, I even, like, before I was like, oh, New York is scary. Like, mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Like, I don't know if I could do that. And then now I'm like, bring it on, or whatever it is. Like, I, I, I think that I needed to do this, which was so out of my comfort zone, to, like, make everything else seem easy, you know? Yeah. Like, keep that, like, take that fear away, I would say. And you always have it in your bank of, like, okay, I did that. I can do this. Like, this isn't, this does not even touch yeah. the sides and compared to how London was and moving away. And exactly. Everything. It's like, and that turned out so well, and that was such a great experience. Like, mm. what's, like, why wouldn't this be, you know? So, at the end of our podcast, I like to do a little segment, What Your Notes Know, where we all keep sort of weird, diverse collection of things in our notes app on our phone. So, Oh, God. So you can just scroll through and read us a note from your phone. It can be anything. The way this is so boring. I have British slang and phrases. British slang and phrases. Oh, there's so many. First of all, the worst one is pants. That pants oh, here. that makes me furious. Because I know. Pants. So if you say pants, I'll be like... I'd be like, nice pants. They'd be like, what? Because pants are underpants here? I hate I, that. Because I was like thinking about it. I was like, what if I walked in and I was like, oh, yeah, I really wanted to wear these red pants today, but they had stains all over them. You know how embarrassing that would be? Like, that is the worst English translation error ever. Like, no, I hate that. I hate it. The, and there, there's one other one that's like, oh, oh, don't even get me started. The fact that, like, northerners here, they call dinner tea. Yeah, I don't get that. It makes... Or pudding, like what they have after, even if it's not put, like it makes me rice pudding, so they call it pudding. It makes me so angry. The yeah. thing is, I've been very good about 
I'm like I'm on their I'm on their turf. No, no, no. I agree. See, yeah, and so so I'm like, and I'm the I'm the annoying ass American, and I'll take it. I'll take all the American jokes. I'll take it because honestly, they're right. Yeah, and, this is their land, and it's their land. But like, I, the pants. No, the pants just annoys me. Okay, well, thank you, Kendall, for coming on. I've had such a good time. Thank you. you so much. It's been so fun. I'm sorry if I'm real.